Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Agnes London podcast. I'm your host, Sophie, and this week I'm chatting to Tash from The Kind Store. Tash and I met a couple of years ago at an event, and Tash was actually one of the first people that inquired about stocking my products. So it's been really nice to catch up with her and chat about the behind the scenes of her store and how she chooses her products. Having run her store for just over two years, she's really knowledgeable about the products she stocks. So it was really interesting chatting to her. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey Tash, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my podcast. It's been a while, but we've uh, finally managed to get you on. Thank you. Yeah, it's really looking forward to it. It's good. So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and maybe for people who don't know what The Kind Store is, giving us like a brief summary of what The Kind Store is and why you started? Okay, so... I'm um, Tash, as I guess I'm known on the store, and I founded the store two years ago. And the Kind Store is a one-stop shop for sustainable alternatives to your everyday essentials. So whether that's things in your bathroom, in your kitchen, skincare and toiletry products, I've searched high and low for alternatives that are sustainably packaged, made from natural ingredients, making sure that they are cruelty-free, so they're not tested on animals, and that they are completely vegan as well. So I've done all of the research so that people that want to buy products based on their values and what they believe in can hopefully find them a lot more easily on my store. Cool, so you are, you're an expert now in everything. Well, um, <laughs> not, I wouldn't, not a certified expert, but I definitely have done a lot of research. And I think that's why I started the store is that there was so much to look at and read ingredients labels and understand what that ingredient was and where I could buy it from and then see what packaging it was in mm. that I had to do all of that research myself. And it was so time consuming that I realised there must be other people out there who are having the same problems as me. So all of that sort of research I've done, let's make it easier mm-hmm. for people. And that's, I guess that's the end of my story as to why I darted the store. But if we went back right to the beginning, it would have been six years ago, around six years ago. So mm-hmm. it's quite, hopefully it's not too much of a long story. <laughs> but, and I'm sure that many people have been and are still on this journey. So I turned vegetarian around six years ago for animal welfare reasons. And I, you know, I disagreed with factory farming and, and you know, how animals are raised for um, meat so that mm-hmm. i realize the only real thing I can do to try and change that is use my money and use my money wisely and only support the businesses and the practices that I believe in Mm. so I went vegetarian and then a couple of years after that I went vegan and then that's when I think the label reading really started in terms of not just food but then you're starting to look at your toilet like you know your shampoo your toothpaste you're not you don't even understand what these ingredients are when you read Mm. them you don't know what they are and then you start looking them up and they you know they're getting flagged as can be harmful for your health or you're finding that there is milk protein in one of the products or beeswax or whatever so it was yeah I think that's where it first started and then realizing you can make a change because at that same time I guess four six years ago 
vegetarian and veganism wasn't as popular as it is Mm. but actually so many people at the time would say not to me personally but you know one person isn't going to make a difference but actually now how many more people are vegan the options in the supermarket are endless you know you've got new products being released by brands or in restaurants every day almost you can't keep up so it's so good to see that lots of individuals have made those changes and it's actually now evident on what you can buy Mm. in shops um so yeah I started then looking at the ingredient and then when I realized that a lot of these ingredients didn't sound very good for you I started spending a lot more time looking and understanding what these ingredients are and wondering why they're even in a product that you can put on your skin Mm. um and then alongside that I think it was just generally having a greater like awareness of the planet as well so you know you learn that vegan diet is much better for the environment so then you start thinking, well, what else can I improve in lots of different aspects of my life? So any time you needed something, almost pretty much just searching online, eco-friendly, XYZ, whatever I was buying, just trying to find better version of it that was available. And, you know, cutting out your plastic from your food shopping, um, switching like your toilet paper, just trying to support small brands, giving back. So just trying to make lots of small tweaks here and there. And this was like over four or six years. It wasn't all of a sudden in the last couple of years you know it's a lot it's a long change because there's so many things to learn and understand yeah so and it'd be overwhelming if you did it all at once yeah definitely and I'm definitely an advocate of not just suddenly going out you know throwing out all the bad stuff Mm -hmm. and then buying all all new (laughs) eco-friendly stuff because that isn't you know that's against what you're actually trying to do so you just thrown a load of stuff out that you've already bought so you may as well use it up unless say it's something you know that's irritating your skin because it's not natural yeah but otherwise you know if we're talking about um like a lunchbox something if you've got a perfectly good lunchbox you know maybe just replace that once you've lost the lid for example yeah um (laughs) yeah keep using your ugly old tupperware as long as you can (laughs) yeah yeah and then i think that the final like push for me to do it was I'd spent such a long time finding green and clean, I guess, beauty and skincare ranges. And I found a really good store. I could select, you know, filter by vegan, which again, three years ago, wasn't really an option on stores where you could search by just only vegan products. But so it ticked all of the boxes were fairly sustainably packaged but again three years ago that wasn't so much of a thing Mm. and then when it arrived to me you know I had a organic cotton face cloth so I could remove my makeup without using disposable face wipes yet it was in a cellophane sleeve wrapped in another bit of plastic inside a plastic bag with loads of bubble wrap and the same with the other products. I just thought, I've got to spend hours upon hours trying to find these products. Yeah. And then just at that very last hurdle, they've wrapped you know, it up in plastic. Yeah, they've wrapped yeah. it up in plastic <laughs> and it's all going in the landfill bin. There's bubble wrap and things like that you can't easily recycle. So, yeah, I think that was the, the final sort of tipping point that made me just think, right, I'm going to try and do something about this and set up a store and see how it goes. Mm. So if you told yourself six years ago when you first went like vegetarian that in six years time you'd be running your own store, would you have believed it? No, definitely not. Just, yeah, because I just don't think you think... I guess at the time that it's possible and mm. I guess also then I don't think I would have imagined that veganism is as popular and also people care more people caring for the environment would mm. be as popular as it is now so I mm. guess I wouldn't have expected there to be that many people interested in it who would then buy products for those reasons yeah mm. 
Yeah, sure. And like going back to what you're saying about the ingredients, I mean, when we look at our food packaging, like most of the ingredients are fairly recognizable to us. But when we start to look at like our beauty products or our um, even like our cleaning products and stuff, it's just like reading a whole other language. You know, it all seems so foreign. Yeah. And And the thing is as well with which, again, is why it just takes it can take and be so difficult and take so long to find products that are suitable is because there isn't regulation around using the words say natural or clean beauty or green beauty you know you can say you've got a natural beauty product but it doesn't actually mean that it is truly Mm. natural there is nobody regulating that so that's what makes it so difficult Mm. So like bearing that in mind, then how do you choose the products that you're going to have in your store? How do you choose the ones that are actually good and natural rather than the ones that are just putting the natural label on it? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I make sure that a product is vegan. So mm. Being obviously vegan myself, um, I only want to stock vegan products. So I try and prioritize vegan brand. Um, so I'll, I'll, I will just spend time checking the ingredients of every single product and if I need to refer it back to um, Google or the <laughs> search engine and checking what that product is because you know the Latin name for beeswax isn't something you're necessarily going to recognize unless you know what that is mm. um, so literally just looking at every single ingredient and checking it there's a really good website um, the environmental working group which list out you know they're more concerned with the safety like health and safety product of ingredients. So I'll use that and check what their rating is for the products. Um, But there are also certain standards and certification schemes out there, which you can use to guide you. But again, that can also be quite a minefield. Um, I think one, I guess one example is um, PETA certified. They could certify a product within a brand's range, but it might not mean the entire brand is vegan. Mm, like the parent so, company but, might not yeah, be. Or even not just the parent company, actually that brand, they could have one product in it that's pet certified, but the rest isn't. But you might then see that and just assume that the brand itself is mm. and that everything is vegan and it might not be. And then getting onto parent companies, like you just said, is like a complete another story altogether. Um, some people, you know, I guess you can look at it in two ways. If a company could be a cruelty-free and vegan company, but they might be owned by the likes of, say, L'Oreal, who um, like sell in China, which allows animal animal testing. Then that smaller brand itself is cruelty-free, and if they use vegan-only ingredients, vegan. But their parent company isn't. And for me, because I want to, what I said earlier about spending my money Mm. and giving my money to businesses and things I believe in, I wouldn't want to support that parent company. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to know necessarily if that, you know, some of these brands have a parent company. So that can make it difficult as well. So it's just a lot of research. Um, I also just mentioned China. Mm. So if I don't know if you know about this, but basically in China for imported cosmetics to be sold, Mm -hmm. the products have to be submitted to the government for testing on animals. Yeah, so so the likes of Bobby Brown, MAC, 
L'Oreal, as I said, Benefit, they all sell in China. And to me, that's because they want more consumers and they're prioritising their profit over animal welfare. Mm -hmm. There is some good news in that China is sort of making it a little bit easier. So an international brand, if they actually produce their product domestically in China, Mm. then they can sort of get around the animal testing. And there's like a couple of other ways, but generally, and that's like a new change, but generally, yeah. The companies that I just mentioned, they are allowing their products to be tested on animals, but they will say they are a cruelty-free company. It will be in their policy that they're cruelty-free. And then, you know, just as a very small little note at the bottom, they will just then include a clause to say, except when required by law. Mm. So, Yeah, so they can still get the Chinese market. Um, yeah. So I guess in that case, that's when smaller brands are preferable because they're probably not looking to uh, branch out to consumers across the world. No, and it's also, you know, it's great to be able to support in much smaller companies because you're actually talking to a person as well. Mm. And quite often with the products I sell, the person I'm talking to is actually making the products and they're sourcing the ingredients and they know exactly what is in there. They know their supply chain inside and out. Mm. And they are, again, creating a product because they want to solve a problem, whether it's somebody's skincare issues or they want to reduce waste but they're really passionate about it. So they're going to be doing the same within their supply chain to make sure that it meets all all of their criteria. I just, I'd say that with labelling though, the product doesn't have to be, for example, Leaping Bunny certified, which means it's cruelty-free, to mean it's cruelty-free because these, you know, the certification programmes do cost money. Mm, And for a small small company, they might not be able to afford to be approved by the Vegan Society or certified cruelty-free, like with the Leaping Bunny. Mm. They might not be able to afford that, but they still could be vegan and they could be cruelty-free and, you know, they could be organic and they could be lots of different things but they're not they might not be able to afford those certifications by different boards so those there are labels which can really help you but it doesn't mean if a smaller brand doesn't have that label that they aren't Mm, yeah I find that as well like a lot of certifications that I you know that would be great for me yeah the yeah um, the process and the kind of fees to be to have the certification are just too high at the moment so you just kind of have to give the customer as much evidence as you can and you know kind of go on trust yeah yeah definitely Mm. no totally agree so you started about three years ago yeah so the store was actually just over two years ago Mm -hmm. yeah when it launched and opened yeah yeah so kind of around the same similar time that I've been doing it as well um yeah I guess so yeah yeah so this market area is still quite new. Um, obviously, I'm sure that you've noticed this as well. But since I've started, there's been so many new brands and events op- starting mm. up, which is great because obviously it means that there is people that are interested in these products and interested in these lifestyle changes. So have you noticed any shifts in the products or brands that you've been like buying since you started? I'd definitely say in terms of just the products that are available and brands, that has just completely skyrocketed Mm. the amount that are there say at the time there were a very small number of small independents that sort of ticked every box in terms of being vegan being cruelty free being natural and being sustainably packaged that was the most difficult at the time two years ago Mm. 
now or actually being vegans there was a lot of natural products well some natural products that were sustainably packaged but then weren't vegan so it might have been a lip balm that had beeswax in or a Mm. healing balm with beeswax so it was quite difficult to find like tick all of my boxes as such but now on the skincare side that's rocketed particularly in the zero waste area where we're talking you know a shampoo bar which you don't even need to have any packaging for Mm. um or your solid cosmetics or your cosmetics that come say water free so you might get a face mask just in powder form so you're not transporting the weight of that product so you're saving on emissions there and then you mix it with water at home so you know you've got a supply (laughs) uh you know continuous supply at home so that's really rocketed and also you know for your items like that you make and for those products that are on the go you know lunch boxes there's definitely there's there's also definitely i get approached by a fair few brands that have seen a seen that that market is exploding as such Mm. and wanting to create a product but actually they've just created a product because they want to get money from the customers in that market rather than actually yeah they want to jump on a trend more than yeah yeah. so they're so they're or even you know they're making they're thinking okay people are ditching face wipes so i'm gonna make a cloth but then they make it out of microfiber and i just think have you not done your research because that's still a plastic <laughs> and it's going to create microplastics. So, you know, there's just, yeah, there's definitely, the, obviously most people are in it because they believe in it. But I have also seen on the other side that because it is now a booming market, you know, other people who aren't so interested in the ethical side of it are wanting to um, try and sell to consumers that are interested. Yeah, yeah, I think kind of from my position in the products I make that's almost one of my biggest threats is bigger brands that can produce things a lot cheaper seeing that there is a demand Mm -hmm. and like for example making like produce bags out of plastic you know they're reusable ones but they're still made out of plastic and they're like 60p retail price when I can't even get my materials for that price yeah like what you can get in the supermarket a particular supermarket I'm thinking of (laughs) same (laughs) yeah And I'd also say, actually, my sales, I would definitely say my sales in items and just have definitely decreased for items such as coffee cups or your stainless steel lunch boxes or containers or your reusable water bottles because you can get them everywhere Mm. now, which is great, which is great because it means that a lot of lot more people can buy those products and have access to them and are buying reusable products because that's like the end goal really isn't it to make to have those options I guess whether it's from my store or from wherever you want people to be using their reusables but when you see a reusable coffee cup for a pound in a pound shop mm. that can't have been produced sustainably yeah so yeah. again there's that balance of yes you can then you know, they will have economies of scale. If it's a if it's a pound shop, they'll be making hundred thousands more than a smaller independent company. But if that smaller independent company is sourcing their products sustainably, paying a fair wage, and like you know everything through the supply chain, mm. again, that's what I'd rather support. And it does come at a slightly higher cost generally. Yeah, and also it's the value to you as a consumer. If you spent a mm. pound on a coffee cup and you drop it and break it you're going to be less bothered than if you spent 20 quid on a coffee cup and you drop it and break it 
Yeah, and I think that also leads on to we don't need as many things. So Mm -hmm. if you're spending £10 or £15 or however much on a coffee cup, you're going to look after that. You're not going to lose it. You're not going to drop it. And you're going to have that one product and it's going to last longer than your one pound one because you don't care about that. So if you, you know, leave it behind one day, you're just going to go and buy another one pound one. And then you've got five stacked up in the kitchen when actually if you spent 20 pounds, you're going to think, okay, I'll skip my coffee today. I'll make sure I remember my cup tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So while we're talking about like what, you know, what people are buying, um, have you found that people are um, making the kind of swaps that say that are scary? I say scary in like quotations. Um, Have you found that people are buying um, more of the kind of scary swap items from you at this time because they're at home and they've got a bit of time to try something new out? Yeah, so I guess by sort of those scarier swaps, the ones that aren't so easy to make. So I guess you mean, say, a zero-waste razor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which definitely. Means, yeah, so they've actually always been very popular, but I have noticed an increase now. But actually, at the moment, quite a big increase in more of the self-care products and the well-being products. Mm. So, you know, nice sort of body oils, face masks, um, and some of our soaps that you can use and melt down to make sort of a liquid hand soap and sort of do some DIY cleaning recipes or beauty recipes with. I've found they're the products at the moment that are actually the most popular because people have time on their hands. Mm. So while we're talking about self-care, obviously you run the Kind Store and you Mm -hmm. are a solo founder as well. Yeah. And you also still work full-time? Yes. (laughs) So how do you find that balance? Like, how do you kind of look after yourself and make sure that you don't get burnt out? I've been thinking about this, actually, because I've had quite, you know, quite a few people do do say, how do you run both? And I I think maybe I don't need that much self-care myself. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I find that I work, you know, max out for, say, three weeks and get loads done. And then I'll just take a weekend. I will feel like I just need a weekend to do nothing work related um I'm generally like doing something around the house we're trying to paint the outside of our house at the moment so it's not really like I'm having a day <laughs> off as such but at least my mind's just getting a rest yeah. and then I'm ready to go again for say the next three weeks so I guess I'm quite lucky that that's how my brain's built um I think I definitely like having something to look forward to which generally would mean you know a holiday obviously mm. at the moment that's that's a bit different um and I think just having support around me I just you know my family and my partner and my friends are so supportive of what I'm doing um I don't really I don't think I, I don't think I do very much I don't know <laughs> you don't have a secret to share with us <laughs> no I don't think I do no just that you know occasional just complete switch off for a couple of days and then I'm good to go for the next three or four weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's good is your day job quite different from the work you do with the kind store so it's like they're kind of a rest from each other yeah they are very different so my day job I qualified five years ago as a charter building surveyor mm-hmm. so now I'm do that and project management of construction projects so it's completely different <laughs> to what I do and it is a nice balance in that kind store at size is at the moment it's me and Sammy packs for me not at the moment again she's working remotely and doing things on the computer side at the moment and I'm doing the packing but 
it's just us two whereas my day job is full-on talking to different people on the phone all the time so they're very different but yeah I guess that works well really Mm, yeah that's good so now you've been running the store for three years and you Mm. know all your um, products inside and out what are your favorite products that you can't live without so I think this is going to be based on the products I pretty much use every day. Mm. So deodorant, a natural deodorant cream. You know, you never think someone would say, what product can't you live without? <laughs> but it's, it's, a nat- it's a cream and being completely natural, it's aluminium free, which most typical high street deodorants, I would call them, contain. And, you know, once you start looking into that, you don't want to be putting that under your arms every single day. Mm. And it works so, so well. And then I'd say a dry shampoo powder. So on the days that I don't wash my hair, I do like to, I've got very fine and flat hair. So not only does a dry shampoo soak up excess oils, but it gives a bit of volume Mm. and you're not using the aerosol cans, which I found sort of then made you reliant on using them all the time. You get through one can so quickly. So I definitely use dry shampoo powder quite a lot just to give just a bit of volume, a shampoo and conditioner bar. It's so nice to know that you're reducing a lot of waste mm. with those two products. You know, one bar's equivalent to roughly around two and a half bottles. So you're reducing your waste in terms of the packaging, but actually also you know, in a shampoo bottle, 80% of it is water as well. So you're that transporting that big bottle when actually I've just got a tiny little shampoo bar that lasts as long as two and a half. Um, so I definitely couldn't live with those without those and not at the moment because we're not going out (laughs) but otherwise you know a cutlery wrap with your cutlery in I'd always have one of those in my bag wherever I was going Mm. um and a a lunchbox in my bag so that if I was out and about and not taking my lunch with me I could pop into a shop and just ask can you put my lunch in my own container and quite often some you know you might get 50p off or whatever so (laughs) yeah I'd say I think they're my essentials yeah yeah they sound like good essentials so Mm. you mentioned aluminium there for deodorants is there any other ingredients that you've come across while you've been like researching for the store that we should we should stay away from so I've actually just uploaded a blog post about this as well so if anybody wants to check it out I've done a sort of a, a toxic 10 as such um, and I'd say actually uh, some easier ones are, well, not easy to understand, but when somebody's just saying fragrance in their ingredients mm. or perfume and you don't know what it is, it's very unlikely that that's going to be a naturally sourced um, fragrance or perfume. And they are most often going to contain some irritant ingredients. Um, there's also parabens and SLS. I mean, SLS is used often in you know, your cleansing products, your cleaning cleansing products like your shampoos and your soap. And that's what makes them foam up. Mm-hmm. But um, that is, again, another irritant for a lot of people. So that's something that I definitely say just generally to avoid. And by choosing natural, you are, you know, as long as they are actually natural, not just saying natural, um, you know, you're avoiding those products and even down to a nail varnish. So we have a nail varnish, a nail varnish that is 10 free. 
Mm. Because some nail varnishes will contain formaldehyde, which, you know, you hear that word and you think, oh God, that sounds like what you put in like really like chemical cleaning products or whatever. Whereas a 10 free nail varnish will be free from the 10 most toxic ingredients that are normally found in nail varnish. So there is a lot of ingredients out there and generally it's around their use in terms of being a skin irritant. Mm. Some even even more than that, but it's there's so many that it is hard to know um, and remember them all when you're looking at your ingredients. So yeah. I put a blog post together about the I guess toxic 10. You know, there's loads more, but I'd just say if you're unsure, have a look on the ewg.org, I think it is, website, and you can look at the ingredients yourself. You know, just copy and paste that individually, each mm. ingredient into there, and it will give you the rating. So I think that would be a a tip to take home on that one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, nail varnish is still one of my swaps that I need to make. I just don't wear it often enough that I've still got loads of pots left over. That's the thing, isn't it? I think it, particularly with nail varnish, you know, normally after a couple of years, you then try and use it again and then it's Mm. gone all gunky inside. So maybe when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so then on the other hand, are there any, I guess we kind of touched on this at the beginning, are there any like product labels or certifications that are kind of good and we should look out for? Um, yeah, I think I did touch on this earlier in just saying that certificates such as like the Leaping Bunny for cruelty free, which will mean that it hasn't had animal testing, mm. but that is different to if a product is say, approved by the vegan society mm. because a leaping bunny certificate could not be tested on animals as the product, but it, a leaping bunny product could still have non-vegan ingredients. So I'm thinking of beeswax as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so they and that's something that some people sometimes get confused. They think if something's cruelty-free, they think it's also vegan, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is. You know, it might be, but you'd also need to check the ingredient check there not animal based so yeah leaf and bunny vegan society i would peta is one but i wouldn't go with that as i said i've seen it on individual products mm. within a brand that isn't so i think yeah i think i've and, seen it face a lot of criticism for that yeah yeah um actually the website i just mentioned for checking ingredients mm. ewg they have their own like ewg verified yeah certification which again obviously companies would need to pay for but that that's one of the sort of the high one of the highest standard for the health and safety of products. Mm-hmm. And then you've got certification schemes around organic products. So if they're organic products, they're going to be natural. So if you're really unsure, look for organic products because they are going to be those naturally sourced products. And mm. um, obviously, you can have plenty of products and brands that are natural but just not certified organic because again that costs money but if you are really wanting to go down that line look for organic but again probably something for another time (laughs) is there are lots of different organic certifications around the world and they will allow a product to be certified based on a percentage of the organic ingredients you know so one might be 20 percent 40 percent 60 percent or whatever so different bodies have different like thresholds to then be certified by them as well Mm. see i wouldn't really say there's a one-stop uh yeah it's a bit of a minefield isn't it certificate yeah there's not really a one-stop label to look for particularly if you're concerned about different aspects of you know regarding ingredient sourcing but then testing and whether it's organic or not so hopefully that's where my store comes in in that Mm. i've done a lot of that and then i've 
will just say, look, this, obviously everything's vegan, but then this one's also organic. Yeah, and pe- <laughs> yeah, so people know that they can come to you to tick off, you know, their boxes of their um, values that are important to them. Yeah, I've hopefully like ticked off a lot of those boxes. So then they might just want to check, you know, whether you've got an allergy or you don't, you know, you know, a certain product doesn't work well on your skin, that then that's all you really need to look at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in like the last two years, have you noticed any kind of shifts in what customers are after? Like, you know, do you find that uh, vegan products is the main reason why people come into your site or is has like maybe like plastic free taken over? Yeah, I definitely think to start off with, it was on the vegan side, particularly as I was focusing on the skincare and toiletries. Mm. But as I expanded, the zero waste and plastic free side has really boomed because there's so much more awareness and people want those products. And actually, they're a lot easier swaps to make. You know, trying to switch a shampoo that you've used for years that you know is really good. Well, is really good for your hair, mm. uh, supposedly. Um, that you, you get know, on well you, with, yeah. Yeah, that you get on well with. And then trying to get somebody to switch away, that's actually quite a big ask of somebody to make that switch for a reason that's sort of beyond yourself you know it's either for animals for the planet or whatever but actually saying to somebody look swap your dishcloth you know your microplastic dishcloth for this organic cotton one or this brush with plant-based fibers you know that's a lot easier to get people to make those switches Mm. Um, so that has definitely really really increased particularly in the homeware like not homeware but that home range around plastic free or a zero waste kitchen that's Mm. really increased um so i think and actually on instagram in terms of the feedback i get Mm. it's generally a 50 50 split between people that are vegetarian and vegan and shopping with me or the other half are more concerned about the environment so finding there's sort of that 50 50 split which is good because then those that are more concerned about the environment might then also learn about the vegan side and then those that are just specifically looking for vegan products may actually then start looking at products that not only vegan but are also then packaged more sustainably Mm, yeah definitely I mean for me personally like trying to Mm. reduce the amount of plastic in my life was the gateway to a lot more changes you know I I was trying not to buy plastic but I was still buying fast fashion and things like that yeah, a such a journey, isn't it? Because mm. you start with one thing and then it leads to something else and then you think you're doing really great because you're buying sustainable brands and then you're, you know, I'm sure everyone did it and you think, oh, well, that's a sustainable brand. I'm going to buy that, that, that from all these different sustainable yeah. brands. <laughs> and then you actually think, well, hang on, I, did I even need that product, you know, or that item? Or yeah. could, I, could I have tried to find it secondhand? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of lot of areas and it can be very overwhelming so Mm. things just start small make simple swaps and at the end of the day if you're aiming for you know an 80 percent you know 80 20 percent split on your food you know your food shop of 80 percent plastic free and then you've got a few items that are that's far better than the vast majority of people and yeah if if everybody did that there'd be a big difference yeah definitely yeah i mean like for example for the longest time we weren't buying spinach because it came in plastic yeah we were like then we were like okay we're gonna have to start buying you know just bags of spinach and you know that may be maybe one or two items in our food shop that are in plastic but it's like at the end of the day this is good for us and right now our only option is to buy this in plastic yeah I, I was definitely guilty of doing that as well 
of cutting out almost certain colours of vegetable. You know, yeah. I wasn't buying I wasn't buying anything green almost because I couldn't get cucumber, I couldn't get spinach, I couldn't get other standard leaves without plastic. And then mm. you think, actually, I'm not eating anything le- you know, I'm not eating anything leafy green. And you can only do what you can do within within what's available to you, whether it's you might not even have um, you know, a zero waste store near if you don't have a zero waste store, you don't have a local farm shop you can only do what you can do and what you can afford and what's Mm. available to you so you can't put too much pressure on yourself because I think as we just said we're I'm sure because we're quite in that bubble of sustainability you see other people doing it so what you think is perfectly but actually realistically when you're trying to work and live your life and do all of this at the same time it's, yeah. mm. it's just not practical to be 100% zero waste or 100% zero, um, yeah. plastic free is it yeah especially like at the moment when you're trying to get in and out of the supermarket as quickly as you oh, possible, possibly can you don't really you don't want to stand around comparing your different options yeah and I mean at the moment our option our local farm shop isn't open so the only option I've got is to go and get a fruit and veg from the supermarket so mm. I'm not doing very well on the plastic free side and that at the moment because there's no other option <laughs> yeah I'm not doing that well either at the moment I seem to be consuming a lot of snacks as well <laughs> oh well it's it's all learning isn't it and when yeah. this is over we'll appreciate it so much more also yeah um I know when so when I first started trying to reduce my plastic and going zero waste in the supermarket I would obviously pick up like potatoes and root vegetables and things like that and just like either be loose in my trolley or in grocery bags and stuff and to be like this is like a couple of years now cashiers at the um checkout would be like oh do you want a bag for them like, yeah no no and so they st- obviously there was like then there was a lot of media coverage on plastic and stuff and then they stopped doing it yesterday we were in the supermarket and they start trying to put my vegetables in a plastic bag again. Obviously, oh, really? Like, yeah, because obviously um, people are so conscious about, you know, rightly yeah. so, about hygiene at the moment. Mm. Um, and it's like, well, realistically, if I'm going to touch the plastic bag or I'm going to touch the potato, like, it's still, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's no difference, is there? And I'm going to take my veg home and wash it anyway. Yeah, well, I, I was wondering the same thing, because where I could get some loose tomatoes and potatoes and things like that I was just picking them all up loose and you do you know and apples and things you do think oh should I not be getting the loose ones because you don't know if somebody's touched them but yeah just wash them yeah yeah I know I overfilled the bag of mushrooms the other day and I was like I can't put them in back (laughs) (laughs) so I wonder if we'll see a bit of like regression in the progress Mm, Um, yeah I, I think yeah I do think so I think for the people that maybe hadn't really explored the whole plastic free and looked into you know potentially even heard about it i think they'll be then just using all the plastic bags <laughs> mm. protective wrappers that you can find yeah all the all the disposable stuff mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So at the end of every podcast episode, because um, talking about things like environmental issues can be a little bit negative, although we haven't really touched on that many um, in this episode, I like to ask my guests what they've seen or read recently that's left them feeling positive and uplifted about the future. Okay, so I actually think in the current circumstances, in terms of what I've been seeing, I just I'm just so happy that everyone is being kinder to each other 
and caring about each other a lot more. Mm. And I think by going back to some of those like basic emotions is where you then might apply those in other aspects of your life. I've seen so many people ordering stuff on my store for other people, not necessarily even for a reason, you know, for their birthday or whatever. They're just buying somebody a nice gift as a pick-me-up to, to say, I hope you're doing okay, you know, and I'm writing the little messages out for them and just... I know it's not, you know, like reading something or hearing something in the news, but actually just knowing that people are doing that, Mm. it's just encouraging that if people are caring about each other so much, maybe that can then evolve into caring for, say, the planet a bit more and animal welfare. Mm. So I hope that somehow that then links into into other areas and, you know, quite positive that it will because there has been quite a lot of coverage around how you know in certain places in India they can now see the Himalayas from how many miles away and mm-hmm. nature returning to certain areas so you know, and the ozone layer repairing itself or the, the hole and yeah people are hearing about that so they're actually realizing that the, that the planet was what well, is in a not a great place to put it <laughs> uh, mm. lightly so that yeah well, I hope people can see that actually they've had to make changes um obviously none of us want to be in this situation at all it's, nope. it's awful for so many people obviously I hopefully it can be you know something positive does come out of it yeah Oh, I think yeah. that's a really nice one. Yeah, I've had some yeah. some lovely messages from customers and stuff as well. I think everyone's just a little bit more understanding at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't seem that everyone. You know, not saying that everyone is. Mm, of course. But that sort of next day delivery mindset um, definitely seems to have relaxed, and people are a bit more chilled. So. Yeah, 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 and even like the companies that would get you something next day are not at the moment. So. Mm. You know, it's we're all having to practice patience. Yeah, slow down. Mm. Good to slow down. Definitely. Great. Well, mm. where can people find out more about the Kind Store and read your fantastic blog post on the uh, ten toxic ingredients yeah. and things like that? So they can head straight to the Kind Store Online. uk. You'll see all the products on there, and then I've got a blog section. If you want to see a bit more behind the scenes, check out instagram at the kind store uk Mm. and on my stories i'm always sharing behind the scenes of new products that are coming in how i'm packing orders and just more of that stuff that you don't necessarily get to see from businesses Mm -hmm. so if you want to find more about find out more about that very transparent on there so have a look on there if you've got any questions ask me and i'll get back to you yeah cool thank you i'm very envious of your uh storeroom (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know it's um yeah it's definitely my favorite favorite place in the house to to go (laughs) that's good yeah it must make such a difference having somewhere especially for it yeah definitely and it was needed because it was taken over my house so now having a you know a glorified shed in the back of the garden (laughs) all of the product is very very handy particularly at the moment Mm, yeah I bet Mm. yeah cool well it's been really lovely to chat to you thank you so much for coming on my podcast I'm glad we finally got a chance to record this I know yeah I'm it's really really good talking to you thank you 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful if you could go ahead and leave me a review as it really helps other people find my channel and lets me know what you think about these episodes as I work really hard to try and get you the most insightful, interesting people each week. If you want to know more about Agnes London, you can find out more by going to our website, www.agneslondon.com or by following me on Instagram at Agnes London. I'll be back next week with another podcast guest So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. See you later.